Hey everyone, it's Kyla. Welcome to my channel where we talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. This is Dichotomy in the Golden Age of Fraud. So uh, I'm going to be talking about a lot today and I have several visuals if you want to go check out the newsletter format. I made some comics because why not? And I included the link to my Notion document where I take notes every single week on all the market stuff that's going on. So if that's a useful resource, I include the link to that in the Substack as well. So big market moves. <laughs> the market is gyrating for lack of a better word. There was speculation that a blow up happened yesterday, but the market is volatile. Layoffs are happening. Funding is drying up. Bitcoin is down 10% and it's really brutal, not just the sell off, but the volatility in the sell off. With the market, it's sometimes like that limbo game where it's like, how low can you go without breaking your knees? And the market was happy after the Fed meeting because no 75 basis points. It's like, all right, that's awesome. So money flowed in, but yesterday the market realized that 50 basis points is still a lot, especially the pace of which the Fed seems to be planning to raise. So a lot of digestion for the market and sell-offs are normal. They happen, theoretically, they're good for the market because they do represent buying opportunities, but there is a bad feeling about seeing red that's super valid. And this market is very reactionary and very nervous and Powell pointed out a lot of this in his speech, but things are weird. There's a war, there's a pandemic, there's US political stagnation, there's food shortages and energy crisis, etc. So the market is going to be kind of weird too, because the world is weird. And there are some themes that I want to discuss with the goal to underscore dichotomy today. The Federal Reserve, Capital Discipline, Artificial Scarcity, and the Gilded Age. So the Federal Reserve, <laughs> it's a changing of market regimes. No longer is money free-flowing and life is easy, but the Fed is like, wow, the labor market is way too hot, everybody go to work. <laughs> so this wage inflation chills out, and also inflation is way too high, so please stop demanding things. The Fed has a responsibility to fix this imbalance between supply and demand, but their toolkit, their rates and the balance sheet, only really works on the demand side. They can't make ships go any faster and make oil companies produce more. The goal is to have consumers chill out so hopefully supply can normalize. So they raise rates to make it more expensive to borrow, less loans, less demand, and they shrink the balance sheet. So less support for the market, no Fed backstop. And so that's what they're going to do. The plan is to ramp up balance sheet roll off and probably do 50 basis points of rate hikes at the next few meetings. And I made this Fed explainer video that I'm going to include the audio of that dives into the specifics of what all that means. This is Jerome Powell. to explain exactly what the Federal Reserve does and what they've done in the past. The most important thing to know is that the Fed is trying to slow the economy down to manage outsized inflation. And they're going to do that through higher rates and less support for the bond market through shrinking their balance sheet. What is the Fed? They are the bank that controls the banks or the central bank. They control money moves and are in charge of price stability, inflation, and maximum employment jobs. And they manage all of this through their toolkit with the main goal to influence interest rates. Higher rates equals economy slows down, lower rates equals economy grows. For some history, in 2008, they did QE, bought up bonds with the goal to get the economy to grow. In 2014, they stopped buying bonds and instead they reinvested the proceeds of these maturing bonds into new bonds with the goal to keep the balance sheet the same size. In 2017, they said, hey, the economy's good to go and they wanted to shrink the balance sheet passively, meaning they allow bonds to mature and they do not reinvest those proceeds, also known as runoff. During the pandemic, the Fed doubled their portfolio of mortgage and treasury bonds to $9 trillion to make sure the stock market did hit rock bottom. And now they're raising rates and shrinking the balance sheet, the goal to slow the economy down to manage inflation. They're going to shrink the balance sheet potentially by $95 billion a month, and the market is pricing in rate hikes of 3% between now and end of year. But the Fed is also going a step further and discussing selling off the balance sheet. The question is, how much of this do we need? How high should rates go? How much should the balance sheet shrink? And how much should we slow down the economy? 
Last time that we did this, we had the repo crisis, and the time before that, we had the taper tantrum. The market is already responding as stocks fall, yields rise, and the USD strengthens, and some fiscal tightening too. Liquidity is going away, and there's estimates that $1 trillion of QT equals a 10% drop in stocks. And the big question is, can they do all of this while avoiding a recession? And this is a rather unpopular opinion, but I think the Fed has been doing the best they can with the tools that they have. The market has been sort of frothy. Imagine making policy in this sort of environment. There's more IPS negative earnings today than tech bubble. Arc Innovation quadrupled in value in one year. Homes are exorbitantly expensive. Diesel prices are skyrocketing. And fertilizer prices are up 70% from last year. So things have to revert to some semblance of reality eventually for the market. And once the wind starts blowing, the house of cards is going to have to tumble too. And it's scary in the Fed shoulders some of the blame for that, but also an interesting thing about the delay in monetary policy response, at least in terms of getting inflation under control, is that they couldn't respond because they didn't know who would be in charge. So the Fed had to wait on decision making because of the uncertainty of their own future, which feels sort of meta because they're deciding the economic future, but they couldn't because they didn't even know their own path forward, which is arguably why they and and we are behind the curve now. And of course, uh, there are many, many questions left. Just because the Fed knows their path forward, raising rates by 50 basis points, shrinking the balance sheet, does doesn't mean their path forward is certain. The Fed is kind of feeling things out. So if I had to enact the Fed meeting from Wednesday, I'm Jerome Powell. Uh, Hello, yes, inflation is indeed super high, and we know that, and we are going to deal with that. Our tools and our economy is strong. Also, have you noticed that bad things keep on happening? And this is Nick from the Wall Street Journal. Hey, man, a recession. (laughs) We seem to be barreling towards that. Uh, Powell, yes, 3.6% unemployment rate, even though the participation rate dropped a few basis points recently. Please go back to work. Uh, Supply and demand is a mess. We have to get wages down to get inflation down to decelerate, not slow the economy. Everyone is doing somewhat okay, it seems, right? And so Steve from CNBC, 75 basis points. What? When is that coming? Why 50 basis points? Pow, 75 basis points is far too much. Inflation is going to flatten out soon, hopefully. And though we're waiting for evidence on that, supply chains, China needs to open up. Oh my gosh, though. And listen, we aren't going to stop. We'll just go down to 25 basis points. Colby from the FT, what's the neutral rate? Right, that's when the economy is just straight up vibing. Economic activity is not going higher or lower. I don't really know where that is. It's pretty much based on vibes. Somewhere between 2 to 3%, but we're so far from that. Financial conditions in the economy will tell us it's going down. Steve from Bloomberg. Recession. Oh my gosh. Listen. Okay, so we could have to induce a recession, but we will need to see. I love Volcker because he's like, get wrecked, and I understand that personally. We need price stability. Things are pretty crazy right now. Uh, If appropriate, yeah, recession. But we're monitoring the vibes. Don't worry. And his whole thing was that the economy is strong, even though GDP was negative, and that the labor market is very tight. 3.6% unemployment is good. So things are okay if they slow demand a little bit. The economy can handle it. And like, maybe. (laughs) The stock market can be a little bit of a whining crybaby, but time will tell how both the economy and financial conditions respond to the Fed's moves. Monetary policy really is vibes. Okay, so market cycles are normal, Fed tightening is normal, etc, etc. So are humans okay? Like, oh, let's talk about capital discipline. So oil, OPEC plus has been underproducing for a while, which leads to shortages in oil supply. Also, there have been freezes in North Dakota, uh, political turmoil in Libya, and all of which has really exacerbated problems. And OPEC plus announced at the end of their most recent 13-minute meeting, 13 minutes, that they would increase oil production and that the oil market is balanced and both of those are probably lies. U.S. shale producers underproduced because of capital discipline. Investors are super mad at them for burning cash during the 2014 shale boom era and so in, they say to the investors say, hey, you better pay us first. Ignore the global energy crisis and that's that and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I get it but also 
maybe we can we not think um, about money all the time. Venture capital. So the venture space is going through a little bit of a contraction, kind of. There's a lot of talk and a little bit of data, but the main thing is cash burning on companies with no real product model was probably a bad idea from a VC perspective. It's sort of a lack of capital discipline that they showed. And it's really sad. A lot of the amazing people are losing their jobs because companies overhired or need to get towards profitability. And I think the thing that bothers me most about this VC funding path in the companies is the companies that do get funding. We live in a world that operates in the tail ends of the extremes. So we need to have companies that are building in the tail ends. Lux Capital does an incredible job investing in this space, but company multiples aren't high enough, exit returns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And VC investments drive the future of the world. Like, come on. Then artificial scarcity, board apes versus home desires, board apes land sales. So Yuga Labs, a parent company of Board Ape Yacht Club, had a big metaverse land sale event for other deeds, very much oversimplifying all that. And it was, but it was a really big deal. A lot of ETH was burned as people tried to get some metaverse ape land, and which is why you use L2s. And some people won and some people lost. And that was just that. It's kind of like who got lucky, which is a lot of life. I'm personally really fascinated by the Board Apes because they seem so disconnected from reality. And I support that for them, but it's rather jarring at times, this concept of artificial scarcity. But when you contrast that against the housing crisis, so Board Apes Yacht Clubs is in such stark contrast to the actual housing crisis. Mortgage rates are above five and a half percent, which makes it increasingly difficult to own a home if you can even find one because of real scarcity. And home supply on the market is at all time lows. So it's just brutal for a person who's like, I'm 35 and I want to have equity and ownership. And then someone else comes in and bids 600K over asking price. It's another market where there is a little bit of a lottery, right? Like finding a house, but also a sense of real worldness where it's just frustrating. The American dream of two and a half kids, a house, a nine to five that can finance all that feels increasingly out of reach for many. And in the same universe, people are buying 40K metaverse land plots, which is fine for them, but it's just so stark. And then the Gilded Age. So this is a little bit, this is political. Um, I'm a 24 year old woman. So I do care about this topic a lot. The me- I didn't even say what it was. Uh, the Gilded Age, the Met Gala versus Roe v. Wade. If you haven't heard about Roe v. Wade, Supreme Court had a leak and essentially this document came out that said that they were going to um, overthrow Roe v. Wade. And there's a lot of speculation around what that means, not only from abortion access perspective, but also from what else could be rolled back, what else isn't mentioned in the Constitution. I really liked Leia Cohen's take on the situation. Um, if it was about babies, we'd have excellent and free universal maternal care. You wouldn't be charged a cent to give birth no matter how complicated your delivery was. If it was about babies, we'd have months and months of parental leave for everyone. And Seth Maskett had a good tweet about things not mentioned in the Constitution, abortion, Ohio, the Air Force, nine justices, Jesus, parties, women, also things mentioned, uh, voting rights, and the need for their federal enforcement. So that's my opinion, and I respect your right to have an opinion on this subject. And of course, as Arthur Schopenhauer said, man can do what he wills, but he cannot will what he wills. I think all of us should internalize that more. So the Gilded Age. So the Met Gala, for some reason, chose the theme Gilded Age for their big party of celebrities. I don't know if they knew what that meant. It's from a Mark Twain novel, a satirical take on the supposed post-Civil War golden era, and it's, quote, an era of serious social problems masked by a thin gold gilding of economic expansion and a time of materialistic excesses combined with extreme poverty and political corruption. The Met Gala happened at the same time as the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court leak. So if you were on Twitter, the dichotomy of the tweets, one tweet of Kim Kardashian and Marilyn Monroe's dress, one tweet explaining how we can't have rights because they aren't deeply rooted in history was just was a uh, was strange
a very odd thing to experience and it was almost too ironic like if you were watching a sitcom and everyone was at a fancy ball and someone came on the loudspeaker and was like hey uh, the u.s is even more politically divided than ever <laughs> isn't that super neat and awesome it would make sense because it's absurd it sounds like something that would only happen on a tv show and the deep sense of irony that permeates recent events is really bizarre it's like living in two worlds at once and presumably reality converges eventually but i'm not sure what that looks like so final thoughts we live in an ecosystem <laughs> as much as we like to ignore it and not just like get all kumbaya around the fire but we need each other just like the flower needs the wind the fruit needs the flower the animal needs the fruit we have a responsibility to each other which has been trucked over since the beginning of time but it's still there the flower is profoundly alive and because the flower is so brilliantly and wonderfully here we are here too there's an emily dickinson poem that i'm going to read <laughs> uh, bloom is result to meet a flower and casually glance would cause one scarcely to suspect the minor circumstance assisting in the bright affair so intricately done then offered as a butterfly to the meridian to pack the bud oppose the worm obtain its rate of dew adjust the heat elude the wind escape the prowling bee great nature not to disappoint awaiting her that day to be a flower is profound responsibility thanks for listening everybody i have some links in the substack as well um and yeah i hope that you're doing well and i apologize for like the stream of consciousness that is my newsletter i'm always open to feedback so if you're like kyla just focus on one thing like kyla talk about this uh more than happy to incorporate that feedback moving forward but i also like having this newsletter because i feel like or the i don't know whatever the heck all of this is because i, I do feel like it opens up re response and discussion and uh, conversation to a certain extent so i hope that you're doing well and i hope that you're having a good day celebrate with your mom if you're doing that this weekend and i'll talk to you all soon bye